This is Colorful Commentary. Hello, this is the fourth commentary. Thank you for joining us. We have so much to get into from politics to culture to frustrations to joy as well. So let's get started. Welcome, welcome, welcome. So, can you guess what we're going to start with today? Hmm. Starts with an I, ends with an impeachment. <laughs> I think I've given it away at this point. Impeachment. You know I'm going to say it dramatic every time. This should come as no surprise. So, the Republicans and Trump wanted the Democrats to hold an impeachment inquiry vote, which means that they can put them on record, all of the Democrats and Republicans, that, hey, you want an impeachment inquiry, you have to vote for it and go on the record. Now, that sounds fair enough, but what would that cause? Let's think about it. Delay, confusion, and unnecessary hassle. They have all the facts they need. They don't need to take an impeachment inquiry vote. And the Constitution says that the House will determine its own rules regarding impeachment. And thus, they have no reason to take an impeachment inquiry vote. So they're not. Obviously, they're going to have to vote on the articles of impeachment. And then he will be considered impeached. And then it will be the Senate's decision whether to convict or not. Now, you'd need 20 Republicans in the Senate in order to convict him and then get him out as president. I doubt that's going to happen. Maybe by some miracle it will. Um, with this whole serious situation, which we're going to get into um, later. I know we talked about last week, but there's a lot more going on this week. Um, but a lot of Republicans are coming out against that and are very, very upset about that, which... I mean, is quite frankly, once again, shocking. Um, I don't know what their end game is here. Hopefully they're being genuine, but I just don't trust that anyone in politics is really genuine in the fact that they all have an ulterior motive. So Pelosi's reason for not holding a vote. Now, if you don't know, Nancy Pelosi is the speaker of the house. She's the one who makes these decisions. She said that we won't let Republicans dictate the proceedings that this will take time and debate if they hold a vote. And I quote, she said, they have no substance. They can't defend the president. So they're going to process. We're not going there. End quote. <laughs> yes, girl, come through. Because that's exactly the point. The Democrats have control of the House. They don't have to play by the Republicans' self-imposed rules. The Republicans know they can't say anything against his behavior because he's confirmed it. The White House has not denied a single thing. So what they're trying to do is deflect and distract and say, well, you're just joking. We don't have to do anything because you're not holding an impeachment inquiry vote. You need to hold a vote. You need to hold a vote. No, the frick, they don't have to hold no vote. I mean, it's unnecessary. So thus, why are we doing something unnecessary? Let's focus on the necessaries, which is interviewing necessary witnesses and demanding documents. Now, speaking of demanding documents, if there's one thing Trump knows how to do, it is obstruct. And that's exactly what he's doing. He and the White House, along with Mike Pence, Giuliani, the budget office and the Pentagon, all said that they will not release any documents related to the impeachment inquiry, claiming executive privilege, which when applied to impeachment 
kind of goes out the window, but you know, they're sticking to it. Now the interesting thing, <laughs> I have my little interested face on right now, is that there are a lot of people that worked in the government, quite frankly, more specifically the State Department, that are coming out and testifying and saying, I don't care that you don't want us to come out and testify. This is a freaking impeachment. We're not playing with this and we're not going down with you because they all know that this is wrong. For once, people are standing up. Now, some of those people who are standing up are George Kent, Maria Ivanovich, Michael McKinley, and Fiona Hill. They have had blistering testimony. That word just sounds, sounds like a desert. You know, you're in the hot wind, <laughs> sand hitting your face. Well, that's the equivalent of what their testimony has been. They have not been coming to play. They have been coming to finish it with me, slay. So, so let's hear what they have to say. Now, Maria Ivanovich, she let out her opening statement um, to the public of what she was gonna provide to the committees that are interviewing her and I quote we make a difference every day on issues that matter to the American people whether it is war and peace trade and investment or simply helping with a lost passport we repeatedly uproot our lives and we frequently put ourselves in harm's way to serve this nation and we do that willingly because we believe in America and in its special role in the world we also believe that in return our government will have our backs and protect us if we come under attack from foreign interests that basic understanding no longer holds true. Today, we see the State Department attacked and hollowed out from within. State Department leadership with Congress needs to take action now to defend this great institution and its thousands of loyal and effective employees. I fear that not doing so will harm our nation's interests, perhaps irreparably. That harm will come not just through the inevitable and continuing resignation and loss of many of this nation's most loyal and talented public servants." end quote. <sighs> this is a woman who has worked in the State Department for over 20 something years. For her to come out and say she's worked under Republican presidents, Democratic presidents, Barack Obama, George Bush. I mean, <laughs> for a career official and a career official meaning they stay, they're not political, they don't care about party, whatever like that. They stay and get the job done. For her to come out and say that, I mean, that's damning. And we already have enough damning stuff, but that's damning. Now, here's a short tidbit of Fiona Hill's letter. She said that deliberate process privilege, meaning executive privilege, quote, disappears altogether when there is any reason to believe government misconduct occurred, end quote. So what she's saying is, like I said earlier, uh, no, I'm going to Congress to testify because your executive privilege is completely canceled out by the fact that you're endangering America and our interests. Ooh, girl, go ahead, do it. Talk about it, get into it. <laughs> now, Adam Schiff, the chair of the intelligence committee sent a dear colleagues letter to the house because there had been reports that Republican members and Trump were trying to say that Republicans couldn't ask any questions in the meetings and why are the meetings closed door? Why aren't we having them open to the public? So he addressed all this saying that the House is investigating in closed door sessions to prevent witness from coordinating their testimony, which really makes sense. 
He also says that the House is investigating because Bill Barr, who is the head of the Justice Department, which is the only political appointee in the Justice Department, and quite frankly, a disgusting sham of a man or of any type of moral upstanding. I mean, I can't throw enough negative words at him, quite frankly, but he refused to investigate this exact Ukraine situation despite multiple criminal referrals. That means that multiple people, including lawyers, came to him and gave a criminal referral that this should be investigated on criminal charges. Now, the past impeachments that we know about Nixon, Clinton, how did that start? It started in the Justice Department by the president political appointee starting the investigation and then handing over that evidence for Congress to take it. That's not happening this time because Bill Barr is not head of our justice department he is not our attorney general he's trump's attorney general make no mistake i mean if you even hear the name bill barr just ugh. i mean yeah that noise just comes to mind when i do i you know that's not fact now that's bias but i'm just saying (sighs) i'm sure we'll have much more updates on this next week so now let me just preface that the next two stories i'm going to get into very much frustrate me and upset me and piss me the hell off. I'm just going to go ahead and say it y'all. Okay. And I can't stress enough that there are such sad and disappointing things that happen every day. I know this and I know that with this territory of the podcast I'm covering, the news coverage I want to give you all, that I have to get into that as well. The struggle of that is how do I make it tolerable for myself and for you where, as I stated last episode, you don't walk away feeling sad or depressed, but you still walk away wanting to do something, feel impassioned, you know, and and, and emboldened. So, I'm going to be real here and, you know, might want to turn the volume down a little bit because it might get loud, but know that I'm going to give you action items in the description box that you can follow through on to hopefully in some small way, release some of this frustration. Okay. But bear with me y'all. Let's get into it. Let's feel it in the moment and then let's let it go. Not in letting it go and forgetting about it, but letting those negative emotions that don't serve us go so that we have the strength and the energy to actually do what matters, which is fight, fight back. Okay. So Syria, hmm. 160,000 Kurds have been displaced all because President Trump made a call to the Pentagon, as we discussed last week, and said, yeah, pull the troops. There's only a thousand troops over there. They weren't in any active fighting, so there was no danger there. But he said to pull the troops anyway. When did he say this, if you remember? After a call with the Turkish president. Who does the Turkish president have ties with? Hmm, interesting. Russia? And now who were the Kurds forced to sign a deal with? Hmm, Syria. And who has ties with Syria? <laughs> Russia. Okay. So as Nancy Pelosi quoted, all roads with you lead to Putin. And this is so true. I mean, the pictures are striking, right? You have American troops, mind you, trapped there because Turkey will not stop bombing. So they can't even get out. And in the process of that, 
you have Russian tanks coming in and taking over the very air bases that Americans built and occupied. Why does this matter to us? Well, this matters to us because Putin is getting his way. He's partnered with Turkey. Turkey, at the end of this, even if they do a ceasefire, even if they try and make Trump look good in the end, they're still going to get the land they want and they will have slaughtered a lot of people in the process and displaced a lot of people in the process. On the other hand, Syria, now they have the fighters they want with the Kurds. And who's that going to help? Russia. Where is Russia? Well, I shouldn't say, well, I guess Putin is Russia. You know, side note, I always wonder why his name makes me laugh. And then I'm like, it's Putin. Like somebody's Putin. Yep. Putin. And he thinks he all that. (laughs) Anyways, inappropriate, but (laughs) anyways, moving on to this absolute foolishness. Again, I'm trying to find the joy where I can. Putin is in Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates. And you know what he's going to tell them? He's going to say, hey, America can't do anything for you, but you know who can? Me. I'm the mastermind. I'm the brain. I have the fighters for Syria. I got the land for Turkey. Come on, make a deal with me. Buy our weapons. Screw America. We're the ones you want. And guess what? Russia's going to destabilize that region because that is in their best interest. So this is a deep story and... It just, I'm telling you y'all, this was not an accident. This was not just a middle of the night thing. This was purposeful. This was planned out. And this was Trump agreeing to this ahead of time. And it's disgusting. And it feels just like the children being separated from their parents at the border. It's unnecessary. All of this could have been avoided. But just because he decided to do it, don't fall for this stuff. Don't let him distract you. Stay on the facts, okay? Stay on the facts. And the facts are that Lindsey Graham and Bernie Sanders both agree that this is a horrible mistake. Mind you, Lindsey Graham being one of Trump's most ardent supporters and obviously Bernie Sanders being one of his most ardent critics. Nancy Pelosi and Mitch McConnell both agree that this is a horrendous mistake okay so the fact that these conflicting entities can all agree that this was a ridiculous move i wouldn't need that confirmation but this just shows how deep it goes okay so again I'm going to stay on this, y'all. I know it's some of the same topics being talked about, but I want to keep y'all up to date and I don't want us to get distracted at all because he's going to try and throw a lot of stuff in his press conference today. I don't even know if you call it a press conference, but he said that the Kurds are no angels, that this was the most brilliant military decision ever, and that they have plenty of sand to play with. I'm telling you, I was watching this. The woman in the background, she is a reporter, older white woman. She looked up from her pen pad and was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> what is he talking about? She when he said they have plenty of sand to play with. She popped up and was just furiously scribbling like, what the, what the, I need to find another employment. <laughs> it was too much, y'all. It was too much. If I can find the clip, I'm going to put it in the link because it's, oh my gosh, this is just ridiculous. So now on to even more sober matters or equally sober matters. If you haven't heard already, (sighs) African-American woman by the name of Atatiana Jefferson was shot and killed 
in her own home by a Fort Worth police officer. Now, I'm of the mind, I refuse to say his name because his name doesn't matter. Who he is, his background, I don't care. He murdered her in cold blood. Now, she had left her front door open her relatives say to let the cold air in to cool down the house. She was babysitting her eight-year-old nephew and her neighbor saw that the door was open. So they called a non-emergency police number to do a wellness check on the home just to make sure everything was okay. So now the officer gets there to the house, does not knock on the door, does not announce police, but prowls around on the side with his, this is, two in the morning y'all shines his flashlight through her bedroom window sees her yells put your hands up turn around and put your hands up and within four seconds shoots her dead now he never announced himself as a police officer mm, mm, jesus have mercy she's 28 years old with a degree in biology talk about having your whole life ahead of you Ooh, these ones, these are hard. Because not only does racism come into it, I'm sure economic inequality comes into it. And just outright, this sick police culture comes into it. Because guess who put him out on $200,000 bail? Because yes, for once, he's actually been arrested. First, he resigned from the police department, but then he was charged with murder. But he got out within the day because the police union posted his $200,000 bail for him. Yes, y'all, the police union. This is what the money is going for? This? I mean, my gosh, it feels like if a black body is dead, then the person doing it, whether they're black, white, or otherwise, doesn't matter because it's just one more black person down. It's very disheartening. It's very disheartening to come into contact and realize that there are people who hate you. And we know it. We know, you know, as, as black people, as people of color, you know, but it, you can't live in that. And so it's those times where things like this happen, where you have to be present in it, that it's just, it's painful. I feel for our community. I'm praying for our community and I hope all of you do as well. Now, we're gonna leave that there. Release, woo, help us Jesus, help us Jesus. Woo, and we're gonna move on. We're gonna move on to black excellence, Tyler Perry. If you haven't heard on Saturday, he celebrated the opening of Tyler Perry Studios. He is the first black man to own a major movie, movie oh, I'm speaking wrong, to own a major movie studio in the US. Now, guess what this studio used to be? It used to be a Confederate army base. Ha <laughs> ha, look at us now. And like I just said with the past story, although we have to walk in that pain sometimes, look at where we've come from and look at where we're going. We truly are our ancestors' wildest dreams. I mean, they wouldn't even know what a podcast is, but I'm sure if they did, they'd be like, go girl, do it. So, oh my gosh. In the studio, I mean, wow, it's just, it's so beautiful. Now, Tyler Perry quoted that when he first built his studio, he made sure to build it in the poorest black neighborhood in Atlanta so the kids could see that a black man did that and they can do it too. 
It has 12 sound stages, each named after a prominent African-American in film and television. One, of course, named after the late and great and amazing and iconic and just everything, Diane Carroll. I read her book a while ago called The Legs of the Last to Go, and it was really, really good. It was a great memoir and really gave me insight into what an amazing woman she is and just how hard it was to go through what she did but what class and joy and just panache she did doing it so rest in peace miss carol now on to other news on to semi-sad news as well sin santana and joe budden broke up y'all I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to do this with a straight face, but I just kind of can't. Um, Sin spells C-Y-N. Joe spelled J-O-E. <laughs> if you haven't watched Love and Hip Hop New York, you are not missing out. But for those of us who have, you know, I'm talking to you. I know it can be a guilty pleasure. They say no pleasure should be guilty, but... I can't really be proud about that one. <laughs> now, I don't watch all the time, but, you know, they, they, they just get me sometimes, y'all. But they were together. They had a child together. I think their child is two years old. But, yep, they broke up, y'all. Sad, 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 sad. I'm playing. I'm joking. I'm just trying to lighten the mood. I'm trying to lighten the mood. And now, for our colorful comment of this episode... Kamala Harris, as we all know, is running for the president, the Democratic campaign. Now, Elizabeth Warren is in top place now, which is a really big development. Joe Biden is number two. Bernie Sanders is number three. And Kamala Harris in most polls is number four or five. So... I'm thinking the front runners are basically going to be Elizabeth Warren, Joe Biden, and Bernie Sanders. And I think it's going to narrow out to Elizabeth Warren and Joe Biden and really be between them. But we'll see. It's very early. I mean, we have a whole year until elections. So we got time, y'all. We got time. I'm also providing a link in the description box that lets you know where the candidates stand on several issues. Just so you can look into it and be aware and you know be observing them from afar before you have to make your decision um if you're a republican then you already know your decision will be trump but if you're democrat or independent undecided then you know you can look into them and see where you go from there see how they align on your issues please do that don't just go for someone because they have charisma or stage presence or what you've heard or who they used to work with or whatever Go with the person that matches with your ideals and with the ideals that you see for the country moving forward, okay? But just focusing on Kamala Harris now, this is, this is a good one. Donald Trump Jr. tweeted, why is at Kamala Harris the only person that laughs? Wait, I need to do a like a kind of dumbed down voice. Why is Kamala Harris the only person that laughs at her jokes? Always way too long and way too hard. The most disingenuous person in politics after Hillary. Now, you know that could not go unanswered. So Kamala responded, you wouldn't know a joke if one raised you. Ah, clap back, clap back, clap back if there ever was one. Yes, ain't nothing like a black woman checking you. <laughs> tell you that right now oh my gosh so this is now the longest episode of colorful commentary i hope you've learned a lot and i hope you keep sticking with us and joining us for the ride much love
stay colorful.